There is a surprising backstory to why this ministry exists today. You don't know this story because the person the Lord chose to elevate this ministry, well, he was just a regular guy who was obedient to the Lord's call on his life. I want to tell you this story. I want to tell you the story about this man, and I have multiple purposes for sharing this story with you. One is the Christmas season, 2020. This this man, this friend of mine, passed away seven years ago in 2013, the first part of December, and I was reflecting on him, as I tend to do every December, and Lucia and I are part of the, the old people's group in at our local church where he attended as well. And I was talking to his sister just a couple of weeks ago. We went to the Christmas party for the old people, and I was talking to her, and as I was looking into her face, she looks so much like him. It's just it's just really remarkable. So I was re- I was reflecting on him, and so that's part of why I'm sharing this story. Another aspect is that I want you to know uh, how this ministry uh, really one of the found one of the pivotal uh, things that happened in in my life that caused this ministry to happen that I could never have envisioned, but this is something that God miraculously did. God, uh, he transcends time. He transcends this cornfield that we live in down here on earth where we can't see from one end of the road to to the next. Well, he can see the beginning and the end, and he knew all of this, but I didn't. And when he allowed me to meet this individual a number of years ago, well, it was the beginning of something that I could never have imagined. But the third reason I want to share this story with you is that just perhaps uh, you feel discouraged or you feel like you're not making a a dent. Uh, Your life is important. Your life is meaningful. We all sense that because, well, we're made in a divine image. We're made in the image of God, and there's something about us. There is eternity in our hearts. And we, we know that there is, is a deeper meaning to life than just this mundane world that we are all walking in. And I, I'm talking. I'm not talking necessarily about doing a ministry like this or some other type of ministry. I'm just talking about impacting the person who is next to you. I'm talking to the stay-at-home moms who may be just drowning in uh, the noise and the chaos and the freneticness of, like, say, this season. But for some of you, this season could be extended for multiple years. I remember when Lucia, when our, our babies were much younger, I found her hiding in the rest room in our home and it's like baby what are you doing in there she was just trying to just trying to carve out a little parenthesis in her day because of the chaos and sometimes stay-at-home moms can can feel that but it doesn't matter what your station in life is I want this story that I'm going to share with you to be an encouragement to you because you can impact one single life that can have an unbelievable, just continuing to unfolding impact on thousands and thousands of others. And that's what happened here with this man. Now, his name was Adam Baker. You've never heard of him. In fact, Few people even know his real name, and if you had 
ask me what his real name was, I'm not sure that I could have told you, but his what we called him was Buzz. And if I remember the story correctly, his sister Carol couldn't say his name correctly and and somehow and you know how that happens when we're all babies and and one sibling is talking uh, to the other sibling or about the other sibling and they can't get the name right and then nicknames are born. Well, everybody knew him as Buzz. His daughter told me the day of the funeral, this was seven years ago, she said, with a name like Buzz, he was bound for greatness. And then my real good friend, Jim Evans, whom I've known for almost 25 years now, on the day of the funeral, he said this in 2013, he said, a great tree has fallen in the Lord's forest. And so it has. Buzz Baker lived in the rarefied heir of greatness in the Lord's kingdom, though virtually any none of you have, have heard of him. We know this because we saw the shining of the sun that radiated through him. Buzz was the man who had the most significant impact on my life, on my ministerial life. And again, though most of you do not know him, all of you have been affected by him. This ministry right here that is branded rickthomas.net, the incorporated name, the Counseling Solutions Group, this ministry would not exist without Buzz Baker. Let me let me tell you the story. It was July 1997, 20, over 23 years ago, Buzz said 10 words to me that completely rearranged my life. Here they are. He asked me a question. He said, would you be willing to work with me this fall? Those are the 10 words. And from those 10 words, this ministry was born. Didn't know it, obviously. You see, Buzz and Laura, his wife, they had a discipleship ministry then and now. I have it linked here inside uh, this article if you would like to read it. And Buzz asked me if I would serve with him in the discipleship of the men who came to their ministry. Again, it was a discipleship ministry that... uh, discipled men and women. There were the women's group and the men's group. Laura handled the women's side and Buzz handled the men's side. And Buzz asked me, he said, would you be willing to work with me this fall? Before this, I had never considered counseling others as an option for my life. That thought had never crossed my mind up to this time, but Buzz was like a major league baseball scout. And he was willing to take a risk on a country boy with a fastball. And so he asked, and I accepted. The night that he popped the question was the first night that Lucia and I visited the church that Buzz attended. It's the church that we attend now. It's called North Hills Church, and it's in Taylor's, South Carolina. Lucia and I just came back from our honeymoon a month maybe a month or so before that, and through a series of circumstances, we ended up attending this church. They were doing a disciple, a class that we were interested in, and so we showed up just to 
uh, hear that class. And Buzz, attend, Buzz and Laura attended that church as they, they did then, and Laura continues to attend there now. And we were looking for a new church to join, and again, we heard of it. We had heard of some good things that they were doing, so we wanted to check it out and see if it was the right fit for us. And I had met Buzz briefly uh, before going to his discipleship class. I was in the discipleship class in the spring of 1997, and so he met me in that class, and I was one of the students in that discipleship class for the spring semester. And the fall classes were getting ready to start up, and again, Buzz was looking for a helper, and so he picked me. After the fall semester was over, I went from a, a helper uh, in the class, because the first semester that fall after he asked me, I was just a, a sidekick, a helper. And so after that fall season, I went from a helper in the class to the class's teacher. And so I became the teacher for a few years after that. And of course, the rest of that was, was history. But it was Buzz whom the Lord chose to jumpstart my future as I became a teacher in, that, in their discipleship ministry. And then after working with Buzz through the initial year, the fall and the spring semesters, and coming around to the fall semester again, one of the things that I suggested to Buzz is how about if we we do something to give them more than just this discipleship class? What about if we extend it so they can go to this class and then we can give them something else? So make the this discipleship ministry larger. Now, Buzz, who rarely said no to anything, he asked me to submit a proposal, and so I, I did. And it was a, it's, as I remember it, it was maybe a 12-page proposal of how to build a discipleship ministry. And honestly, I didn't know what I was talking about, but I just threw some ideas on a piece of paper. And Buzz read my proposal, and he said that, you know, what you're suggesting here is really too big for our ministry, that we can't do it. And so what about if you give this proposal to our pastors Maybe it would be something that the church could do. I said, that's fine. And so I gave the proposal to our pastors. And within a year of attending our new church, Lucia and I were sitting in front of the elders talking about a church counseling ministry. That night, we began laying the groundwork for a fully-orbed counseling ministry that the Lord was about to serve up for our church and our community. You see, the proposal that I was suggesting to Buzz for their ministry, which he said was something too large for them to incorporate, and I ended up giving it to our pastors. Our pastors read that proposal, and they were seeing something that I did not see. They were seeing this is this is a counseling ministry. Now, what I did not know at that time that they had been praying and talking about how to build a counseling ministry because our church was was growing. And so once I submitted it to them, Lucia and I were now in front of the elders, and we hadn't been there for a year. And they were seeing, again, something that I did not see. And But we talked about it, and of course what happened is that they hired me, and, 
and I began building a counseling ministry. Now, that counseling ministry is still flourishing today, 20-something years later, the the church where Lucia and I attend. We left the church eventually. We planted a church. We started this ministry in 2008, and then we came back to our, uh, our home church, our original church, which is where we have been for a while. But that's how the counseling ministry at our church began. And it was during this season of my life that the Lord trained me for my vocational life. And so I began working for the church part-time while working on my MA in biblical counseling. I went to the Master's University during this season and got my Master's in biblical counseling. And within two years, we had a counseling ministry. And only a handful of people know the story behind the story, what I just what I just shared with you. Buzz Baker set things in motion for an amazing counseling ministry to come to fruition in our local church. It was Buzz Baker who picked me and released me to do what I do today. The Lord decided to use this man to change my life, to change my marriage, to change my family, to change my my career. It's hard for me to write these words without tears. It's hard for me to, uh, typically when I talk to people about him, I, 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 or people who know him, like say at our church, I say the name that shall not be mentioned because when I mention his name, uh, it's hard to resist crying because what you don't know is that this story is, is more profound than even what I just shared you. Let me give you even more backstory of what you don't know. You see, because of my divorce, I was not allowed to participate in Christian ministry. I was a fundamental Baptist, which is a legalistic uh, culture. And they have, it's a group of believers, and they have an unwrite, unwritten one strike you're out clause in their system. It's in the fine print. You don't see it in the brochure when you become part of, of this group of believers, but down in the very fine print says that if you're going to be in ministry and if you have a prior marriage, then you're disqualified from ministry. And so I, I went into fundamentalism, uh, into ba- Baptist uh, fundamentalism and began to move through the rank, ranks and, and, and moved up and, and, and went to a fundamentalist Bible college where I received two degrees in Christian education and, and theology, and I was moving uh, into ministry, which is the process. That's how you, you do it. And then through a series of circumstances, which I've written much about, uh, my wife decided to leave for another individual, and that ended my marriage. And then at that point, they put me on the sidelines of Christian work. They did permit me to evangelize, and so I could go downtown Greenville, like say on Main Street, and I could pass out Bible tracts and talk to people about Jesus, but I could not serve in the larger in a larger kingdom capacity, especially as a teacher, because I, I, I was divorced. And so therefore, and this was long before I, I met Buzz, of course, and so I had already resigned myself. I'm talking about 10 years before Buzz asked me those 10 words. I had already resigned myself that I would be sidelined from Christian work. I would be uh, that person down on the street passing out Bible Bible tracts and praise God for those people who witness and tell people about Jesus, but there was something in my soul that just 
believe that God was calling me to a more expansive ministry, though I did not know what it was. But I had given up, I'd virtually given up on that. It never dawned on me that I could teach and train and counsel and even write and do, and do podcasts. Podcast was not even a, a word back then as far as I know. And so it never dawned on me that I could do these things that I'm, I'm doing now. But I went to Buzz's discipleship class in the spring of 1997. I went there just to learn I just went because it was a discipleship class and someone recommended it and there was no other goal or ambition other than just participating in that 12-week class. From my perspective about the rest of my life, well, that's why that is my perspective. And that's why his request a couple of months later in July to teach in the fall was so earth-shattering. I did not know that what he was asking was was possible. Now, at that time in 1997, our church uh, was meeting in a renovated grocery store. Uh, that grocery store has housed multiple churches over over the decades, and our church started in a living room in, I think, like 1992, and then by 1997, we had, we had gathered enough money and we were able to have a renovated grocery store, and then shortly after that, we bought some property, which is where the, the church building uh, exists today. But if you were to go back to that renovated grocery store, I could take you to the exact spot where we were standing when Buzz asked me to partner with him. I can still see his smiling face. I can only imagine mine It was something along the lines of stunned because, again, I had already relegated my life to the lower shelf of Christianity because I was disqualified because of my my failed marriage. In the 1946 movie classic, It's a Wonderful Life, the movie that most of you have seen, probably have seen multiple times, the leading character in that movie was a desperate man by the name of George Bailey. And George Bailey could not stop thinking about how to escape his little one-horse town, Bedford Falls. And through a work of movie magic and a little bit of imagination, the movie shows us what people's lives would have been like if George never lived. And these stories were tragic, and so basically what they did is they they extracted George through movie magic and a little imagination from the script and went back and replayed all the lives that we uh, had seen up to that point in the movie. And there were scores of lives that were bound to crash and to burn if George Bailey did not live. And George begins to realize how things would have how things would have been without him, and then he regrets his foolish thinking that I just really shouldn't have lived. And it's this reflection is how I think about Buzz Baker, that if he hadn't lived, what I'm telling you would not have happened. And so when I went to his funeral in 2013, I heard story after story of people he affected by his life. He was George Bailey. His life was so important. 
and he impacted so many people. And as the speakers spoke, I, I glanced across the auditorium, and I pondered how many others could stand and tell how Buzz had impacted their lives. I have my story, too. I'm telling it now. Only our omniscient Lord knows how our lives, Rick and Lucia in this case specifically, would have been different if Buzz had not lived. The Lord wanted him to live. You remember what Jeremiah said in, in, in one five. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Omniscient God wanted Buzz Becker to live. He wanted to use him in millions of lives around the world. And he did. Everything that I have done well for the Lord since 1997 flows from those 10 words that he spoke to me. Would you be willing to work with me this fall? He is my George Bailey. If he had not lived, if we had not crossed paths, I cannot imagine. And honestly, I don't even want to think about it. How my life would have been different. God has blessed me to meet many beautiful people in my life, but Buzz Baker is at the top of my list. I love this man. All my disappointments and broken dreams were reformed and reframed into a fruitful ministry because of the Lord's choice to call Buzz to a life of ministry, which called me to a life of ministry. And that's when I said at the onset that I, I want you, no matter what your station in life is, I want you to find encouragement. Don't be George Bailey thinking that if your life was extracted, well, you would it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't make any difference. No, it makes a difference. God has you here for a purpose and Buzz's purpose in life was far greater than little old me, but little old me crossed his path and he asked me. He laid out those 10 words and it set, it, it set a trajectory that I could not have ever have imagined. And though he taught me many things, I want to wrap up this podcast by sharing three things that always come to mind when I think about him. And for those of you who do know him, you, you will see this as soon as I say it. The first thing was his smile. I'm not sure what Buzz looked like when he was sad. Even when he was disappointed, there was something about him that just did not seem unhappy. He was a warm, pleasing to be with, faith-filled man. You didn't mind being around him. He was always positive, but not in the positive mental attitude, plastic, artificial way. It was a faith in God way. He was a man of faith. His faith was behind his smile, which is why even when he was sad, you could perceive and you could feel his faith, a rare gift from the Lord. His faith made him a strong man, though he never came across as forceful. <laughs> Definitely not. Every person who has ever met him would testify he was a man of faith. And sure, he wavered at times, as we all do, and he got down at times, as we all do. Even so, you never despaired being around him because you felt his 
faith. And so one of three things, as I reflect upon him, one is his, his faith. And then the second thing is Jesus, without question. The most powerful uh, things that I remember about him were his thoughts about Jesus. He had a saying. He was fond of saying, how can we be Jesus to somebody today? In this way, Buzz was was Johnny one note. The beat of his heart was to magnify the gospel in any way, every possible way. Buzz was continually scouring the landscape of his life to see who he could be Jesus to today. That was imprinted upon my mind. That's how I think today when I when I go somewhere. That he taught more than anything else, he taught me this outward glance, this kind of look that goes away from yourself and places itself in the situations and the lives of other people. If loving God and others are the greatest commandments, which they are, then Buzz nailed it like no other person that I've ever met. If someone told me to follow them as they followed Christ, like what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Buzz Baker is the man I want to hook my wagon. His desire to imitate his Lord was a fantastic gift to those who knew him. And so three things that I recall about him, one was his faith, two was his Jesus, and then number three was the gospel. I live in a social media technological world, which is always scrambling to be on top. Billions of dollars are spent every year by people who want someone to hear them in a noisy world. I'm one of those people. I want you to hear me in a noisy world. There are millions of business pages on Facebook, all clamoring to rise above the hordes. We want our brand, our product on top of the pile. I was thinking about this marketing noise as I was writing this article. Buzz would smile at such things. If there was ever a person who was counter to the marketing competition in our world, it was Buzz Baker. And the irony here is how his life did amplify the Lord like the story of our counseling ministry that rose out of Buzz's 10 words, an entire counseling ministry that has impacted thousands of lives over the past 20-something years, rose out of 10 words. None of us, not even Buzz, could know how far and wide the Lord would use his influence. Buzz always ran in the background of people's lives. He never sought to be at the top of the heap. He couldn't have cared less about those things. He had one job. It sounded like this, Christ must increase and buzz must decrease. From a biblical perspective, he was a successful man. This fact may be the lasting effect of his life on me. He reminded me of the gospel as, per- as perceived in 1 Corinthians 1, that, that God will take the weakness of this world and it's greater than the strength of this world, that he will take the foolishness, uh, his foolishness is greater than the wisdom of the world. Buzz was always running in the background. He reminded me of the gospel. It's so counter to how our world is scrambling to get on top. Buzz did things the Lord's way and the Lord heard him. He worked from the bottom, not the top. Buzz labored behind the scenes rather than on center stage. He understood the two primary keys to a successful life, one faith, two prayer. 
He loved to say, Psalm 34, 6, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Sometimes a person will ask me about my mission statement, and typically I will say, I want to take the gospel to every human on the planet, and I want to live 25 years after I die. Buzz never stated his vision this way, as far as I know, but this is how he lived. He had an unquenchable desire to take the gospel to every person globally, especially the children. He worked for CEF or spent a good portion of his time with CEF. And because of how he lived, his influence and his impact will continue for many years, taking the gospel around the world globally and living, as I like to say, 25 years after I die, he continues to live even though he went to heaven in 2013. I remember scanning the auditorium that day during his homegoing celebration. It became apparent to me that Buzz Baker's work is far from over. Death is not the end of life, but the continuation of it. Buzz went to heaven. But his work is far from done. That would... That was not only made clear that day, but it was affirming the work of the gospel can continue even after I die. The article that I just shared with you is titled, Here is the Untold Story of God Using One Man to Change Thousands. In, In many ways, it was the birth of this ministry that you're listening to right now. My appeal to you is don't disqualify yourself. You God God has not placed you on the sidelines of life. He has a specific purpose for you. The second thing that I would want to leave you with is that who is the person the Lord has used to boost your life? If you identify that person, where you will you share your thoughts with that person? Will you let them know about God's work in your life, how their life has affected yours? If you'd like to chat with me and our team about this or anything else that's on your mind, we would love to talk with you. We have a dialogue ministry, and if you want to come to us to chat, you can go to our free community forums, and you can ask whatever question it is and let us serve you. It would be a joy to do so. Again, if you want to read and share this, it's titled, Here is the Untold Story of God Using One Man to Change Thousands.